4: You know what I mean? It just doesn't compute,
3: you know. The law is the law. Peter, this is in our hands. I mean, it really
4: is. People were there. We will continue to raise our (laughs) voices.
3: We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk?
4: Call
3: 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 83 396
4: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
3: The lines are live. Let's
4: kickstart the conversation.
3: This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
4: On Cork's 96fm.
5: It's a dirty, gruffy old morning out there now, and the cougar knees remain exposed. It's a talking point. It was such a lovely weekend weather-wise. God, Sunday was a scorch and a half, and yesterday wasn't half bad either. And I got rightly fried sitting having a coffee down by the river Saturday afternoon. I got fried. My forehead is peeling. It's where I've been in Ibiza for a week. And look out at that grot. But listen, I have no doubts it's going to improve drastically before the back end of the week. And it'll be good to have the charcoal in and the old barbecue cleaned and ready for next weekend because it's going to be really, really lovely. Or sure, you might pop into town or pop out to the local and have a pint or have a bit of grub in the outdoor seats and tables. Driving around town yesterday, I just popped in town for an hour. <laughs> Great to see everyone out, but I'm not so certain where we were observing the old one metre very well, were we? Everywhere? Don't know what you saw. Uh, I saw a lot of really, really good, well-organised stuff, but I saw a few places that were a bit like a beehive as well. We just need to be just a little bit careful. 1850 715 996, get to that in a sec Also something we've talked about later on this morning When you woke this morning Were you wrecked after the holiday weekend And I don't just mean now Were you wrecked because you had a few pints in the open air yesterday afternoon I just mean were you wrecked Like are you a kind of a person who naturally enjoys getting up early in the morning Or is your best time the end of the day Are you often forcing yourself to get up in the morning When in actual fact you'd love to stay in bed And your best more creative time might be the afternoon or the evening so, are you a night owl or a morning early riser? An early riser or a night owl? I don't have much choice in the matter. Uh, no, none do, Nor do any of us in here. But I think I probably am at this stage an early riser, uh, habitually. But are you? there's new research out now that you're, the time you get up, if you're getting up at the wrong time of the day for you, in other words, if you're defying your body clock, if your body clock says you're at your best in the afternoon and the early evening, And you're forcing yourself to get up in the morning. That's not good for your mental health. New research on that. Get to it later on this morning. But first, let us go back to the pubs and the restaurants and all the places that were open yesterday for the first time in months. Open outdoors. And that's how it will be until the 5th of July, unless there's a change. 5th of July, before anybody can have a pint or a brighter grub indoors. A lot of places yesterday just doing pints. Not everybody some places still requiring you to eat. And you know, if they require you to eat and you don't want to eat, just go to some place that doesn't require you to eat. But let's see where we go. Uh, Let's go to uh, Paul Montgomery from Clancy's and Princess Street looking marvellous. Paul, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Busy day? Great day.
6: Yeah, super day now all around. uh, The spirits were lifted, I think, all over the city in our trade and maybe other trades as well. Um, It was just nice to see people being able to... To be out, and uh, I think, you know, the, the general comments from all over the tables yesterday from, I suppose, customers, which are the most important people, you know. We, we, we're happy to be back trading, but we have nothing without our, our, our customers yeah. and yeah. the people of Cork, and a lot of visitors in Cork yesterday. I'd have to say, you know, there's um, meeting so many people up and down the street and the other venues as well. Um, and, you know, all over the city, we had a lot of visitors in Cork yesterday. So I think that outdoor experience, which Cork has pioneered this stage, is probably something that we can be very proud of in Cork. Now that that other cities around Ireland, and around the world, would probably be jealous of because it's it's something that has started here. I think, you can proudly say, and um, I think Cork City Council's initiative to close 17 streets on the you know was just on the button, you know, and uh, it has got to the heart of the of, of people, you know, you know, taking now.
5: Was it very frustrating, Paul, to have to sit through a glorious weekend of weather like Saturday and Sunday and have to wait until Monday? Or was that in the best interest of public health when you think about it?
6: Well, I think there's probably 101 things that have frustrated us over the past 12 months or 18 months and we just probably have to it's something just extra. That we have to just, you know, grin and dare and, and stick with it. And it's like, you know, you said in your earlier articles, you know, it's public health advice and we've got to go with it. I mean, we, a lot of us might disagree with it or might say we're, it's over the top. But look, at, I, I, I think let's stick with it now and say, yeah. you know, it was, as you said, it was a beautiful weekend. People got sunburned. But I think people are looking forward to it. And a week or two here or there isn't going to make any huge difference to our lives or our trade. Or, you know, I think I think once, once we can stay open now... Yeah, and, and not to have to shut down again that's the key for us all. I think I've
5: been repeating and, that ever since the Taoiseach said it on the Week in Politics a few weeks ago, yeah. I'm I re- repeating it here like a mantra, Do you know this might seem slow and it might seem cumbersome to be so slow, but when you open you want to stay open the, the, the last thing you yeah. want to be closing all those places again Oh absolutely,
6: and, and I, I you know, I, there was, there was I think the general talk around um, the city is yesterday, and certainly is my feeling and a lot of people's feelings that let's let's look at the positives of, of, of this and say that we wouldn't be able to you know trade on the street like we were yesterday. When I wrote that letter to council back in you know over a year ago, now mm. a year and a half, ago, or not quite a year and a half, the April last year, the sort of April last year, yeah, you know that was that was the whole point to say look, at this is we've an opportunity here in the city to do something different, and that's what that's what the city council and the guardy and the fire people have embraced. Like So, you know, COVID has, you know, given us something out of the ashes and it has given Cork City and it has given traders and given people more important. And, like, we have to remember that we are all social animals. And, you know, whether it's out, as you said, for a bit of grub or for a pint or for a cup of coffee, people want to get out and meet people. they. They have, you know, that's part of what we do. We go to work, you know, we go to sleep, as you said. Some people do better, you know, need more sleep than others. But most people love to get out and to socialise with other people and maybe not have any great plan in their night or whatever, but just, you know, or afternoon or evening. And that's what we saw yesterday. There was, like, everywhere on the street yesterday, we had bookings for our rooftop and... And Clancy's, but in the main, and, and we opened the Venue Kings, you know, on the top of Prince Street as well. Yes. And we did with The Art, which was the old Grafton. So they, they all opened yesterday, which is, you know, and, and that's a venue that was closed for two years. So, like, was yeah. positives there as well. And that whole outdoor piece has given us that, you know, bit of new energy to, to say, right, we can make a go of this. And, like, yesterday, i had to just say yesterday that you'd be beaming with pride to be in Cork City yesterday and to see people, you know, sitting down and the smiles on people's faces and Mm. a lot of people said they hadn't had a meal out in 12 months, you know, so that'll that'll, that'll just tell you. Or even seeing friends
5: in person. Correct. Yeah,
6: correct. And there's also a good feeling there and I know we have to still be careful but, you know, despite the numbers of COVID, there are very few people going to hospital now and there's very few people in intensive care, which must be, you know, a positive thing for people. And because I'm also aware that a lot of people wouldn't still have confidence in, in going out, yes. even for an outdoor
5: setting. they are still nervous, Paul. They Correct. would still be nervous. Yeah. And, and they're waiting for the day, I think they're waiting for the day when the government or the public health doctors will turn around and say, OK, it's safe now that's a, yeah. we, but yeah. that's a while away yet so so we have to deal with it safer now
6: yeah 100% and the outdoor piece is something that we hear loud and clear and it's something that we want to we want to continue with and I know that it's a couple of, it's only going to be a couple of short weeks and we will have you know, a form of indoor dining and we'll have the social distancing and we, it won't be the same like it was two years ago but, you know, that, that is coming down the line and we hear this morning the Minister for Sport talking about people getting back to matches It's another positive and again, that's another occasion when we'll have people going out for food and drink before and after matches so, like, in our industry and the hospitality industry and in general, hotels, everywhere I think we're looking to a brighter future now and, and a lot of positivity.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Uh- indoors aft again after the 5th of July, Paul. Yes. You know, yes. You, you and I have spoken many times now since all this began in March of of 2020. What's the general view in the sector? Like, are we almost at the beginning of the end here?
6: 100%. I, I don't think there's any doubt in anyone that I'm talking to and that we're dealing with but that we, we see our normality back, you know, pretty much resumed. Like, the the indoor piece will work for us because we prepared for it last year. And then between the end of June last year, um, between the of June last year, we opened indoors, and it was terrific. So it was, you know. And mm. I, I know that that's like people have prepared, and it won't be long before we see people sitting up at the bar having a pint again. Oh, uh, you know, say, do you
5: think do you think that's close to us? Because all the public that's health people tell us no, that's not. That won't be for at least the, the rest of this year.
6: Well, we've to watch what's happening all over the UK, maybe and we see what's happening in, you know, all over the world and all over Europe. And as as the disease control and the vaccines get better, I think that, you know, I mean they're talking about nightclubs reopening. So if you if you hear the word nightclubs and the and the what that, what that says, well then I do I do think that they're certainly planning for for the for the full reopening of our, of our trade and, yeah. and even if it even if it takes to the back end of the year and if it takes into the start of next year Soviet, be But I mean like most people would take over is something that we're going to be living with for a long time, so yeah. there will probably be some form of, of restrictions. Yeah. But equally, medicine is going to catch up as well. Yeah. So and sure, I'm well, there's sure
5: more and more people now vaccinated every day, let alone every week. Just a couple of things, Paul, with regard to the the the, the rules and regs. Uh, now that yeah. you're open again, like, are you being policed on on one meter? I mean, are there people coming down to check the distance? Like, did you have to show anyone the distances between all the tables now before the weekend started?
6: Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, we we we're we we will and we want to act very responsibly as traders in in all the streets and in all the venues. And like we have a license per per venue for so many tables on Princess Street. So there there there, there, are, there are ten venues there. So like we're not we're not allowed to shove them all up together. And we've we have a maximum of six people. So in general, the tables are for two and for four people. That's what we see. You know, I certainly we, we didn't see anybody of six people yesterday. So and even though the Prince Street looks quite busy, the principle is that we, we keep to we keep to the one meter on the outdoor space and that's what's happening. Yeah. yeah. And, and and certainly if you know, I think that each we'll we'll mark each other's cards if somebody is is, is is pushing the boat out there, you know, like I'm I'm working beside Liam Quinlan and Rossini's and Claire Nash and like we're not we, we have to be responsible and up and down the street Yesterday, that's what we're anxious about you know and like okay there was buskers at the end of the street and I know I spoke to Claire late last night about it you know and you know that we spoke to the guards about it as well and we'd like to see them making the two bob as well but we can't be encouraging a mm. free for all at the end of the street it's probably what, what some people saw yesterday even. and well obviously you know,
5: a busker Paul who hasn't had a decent gig in months? Correct. Saw a busy yeah. street with lots of people yeah. having a pint, and thought, you know what? Even if they only threw fifty cents into my hat on the way out, I'd make I, a book. I
6: I I think that went down very well Sunday. The only thing was that the 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 was was high spirits as,
5: as um. Eleven o'clock. Half 11, it's, it's, nice. it's kind of also not you know. allowed. I don't know. I don't think busking is actually allowed at the moment. I because yeah. I know there's a ban yeah. on live music. You can't. You can't, for example, book or none of your colleagues there can book a fellow with a where to get guitar. Sure. So, or you or, know, or have amplified music. You know yeah. so yeah.
6: but but look at again. It's in. It is outdoor and some of the quality of the entertainment on on Alberton Street and the side streets was excellent yesterday. And I think for people sitting down. It was nice to hear a couple that of people cheers, on the guitar and, and, and singing for a song. So, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with it. But, again, we are trying to, again, be responsible. And, you yeah. know, yes, people enjoy the music, but, but it can't be free-for-all either.
5: Lastly, and very simply, do I have to have food if I want to have a point? Absolutely not. You're free to
6: come along, t- get your table. The big issue, is, P J. is that, and it'll be the way forward on the street for us, no matter COVID or no COVID or restrictions or no restrictions is that you have to have your table and your chair and you can get served. So it isn't the case that people can be willy-nilly um, having drinks in their hands. Yeah. But if you want to come along you and you to be want sitting to pint yeah. a stout or pint of beer you have to be sitting down to have your table and we we worked a very good system. We, we take people's details and we go from there. But there's no requirement whatsoever to have, to have food when you want to go out now and have a drink.
5: All right, listen, Paul, good luck with you. And I'll, I'll, I'll see you soon inside there for some stage. That's Paul Montgomery and Clancy's and Princess Street looking fantastic. Loads of photographs and videos over the weekend. And it's kind of the advertising billboard for this new outdoor summer of ours. The one metre rule is supposed to be a metre between two tables. Now, I'm kind of thinking, how can you bring trays of drink and food down anyway, unless there is at least a meter between the two tables? Although, that having been said, a drive around town yesterday afternoon, I came into town to collect my daughter, and driving around town, there was a lot of places, had just horsed the chairs out into the street, and they were moving around, and there wasn't a meter with them, and there wasn't, you know, there was a bit of that going on now, to be fair. A little bit of that going on. And the last thing you want to be done is close down again. So let us please observe the simple rule of one metre between tables. That's all it is, one metre between tables. So if I'm sitting here, you, yeah, look, you know know yourself. Two metres made it very difficult last summer. Two metres made it really, really hard. But one metre is much easier. We're getting photographs. and There's a comment um, there. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Uh, A certain well-known pub just bunged their tables and chairs out onto the footpath for outdoor seating, blocking the way for people. And another one, my work means I have to walk home at night. I thought this on-street drinking was illegal. It's intimidating. Uh, Yeah, okay, I think you sent us a video as well. I can't open that video just now, Fergal. You might just uh, release it to me if you can. But it's basically, it's people drinking in the street. I'll have a look at it in just a sec drinking their own booze now, here you go I, I've got it, there's a really good analysis of the law as it applies on drinking your own booze in the city and it is not allowed it was never allowed, it hasn't been allowed since 2001 you cannot actually drink your own booze on the streets of Cork you can't you just can't uh, even though people have been doing um, there's, a, there's a, a very complex bylaw there but yeah, there are people drinking their own booze in the street. That's not allowed. That is not allowed. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. At least you know, at least we didn't have the kind of carnage that was in Dublin at the weekend, and at least we didn't have people trying to make excuses for thuggery and criminal damage that we saw in Dublin at the weekend. I I really thought I would lose my mind with Twitter trying to excuse thuggery and loutish behaviour in the streets of Dublin and I thought you know what, I was very very proud of Cork because Cork was busy the weekend, Cork was very busy yesterday, Cork was busy Sunday Cork was busy Saturday but we'd none of that crack and it made me very proud to be from Cork
3: 1857
0: Can we just talk
3: Opinion line on Corks 96 FM with Dairy Made Premium Spread
4: 100% Natural and Made in Cork using West Cork Cream.
3: Corks 96 FM's free speaker frenzy is coming.
4: Play Corks 96 FM.
3: We've got loads of cool new smart speakers to give away every day.
4: Join Casey and Ross in the morning and stay with us all day long for your chance to win.
3: Win. Listen for the cue to text or WhatsApp. If we call you back, repeat the phrase. Play Quark's 96 FM. To win a smart speaker. you want it? I never felt this 96 FM's free speaker frenzy starts Monday.
4: With Blackpool fully opened up. It's great to be back. See blackpool.ie. Hello? Hello?
3: Stay listening to win and remember to say...
4: Play Quartz 96 FM.
5: Yes, yeah, still a bit of an issue with toilets. Kate says, we had a couple of come up to our door to use the toilet because they were so stuck with their children. The bars and restaurants are playing their part. But the council need to ensure people can travel to and from the beauty spots and they need toilets. I forgot to actually ask Monty. Fergal, you might be able to check this for me, or you probably know off the top of your head knowing Fergal. Can I go into the pub to use the loo? while I'm having a drink on the outside table? I think I can. I'm just not 100% certain. Maybe we could check that. So if I'm drinking on the outside table in any public care or, or having me lunch, can I actually go into the pub to use the loo? Yes, while wearing a mask is the answer. Thank you. Thank you for that. 1850, 715, So, I don't know. I've been getting up at 6, sometimes earlier, but I'm getting up in or around between... Five and six in the morning for the last thirty years. Um, five mornings a week, three mornings a week, four mornings a week depends on the job I was doing, the time I was doing it. So at this stage, getting up at quarter to six in the morning or ten to six in the morning, as I do, it, it's it's second nature to me. Do I get knackered in the afternoon and need a rest? Yes, I do. I might have an old nap in front of the telly or whatever, but it's 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 my normal now, and I find that I can do more in the morning in that couple of hours sort of between seven and doing the show and so that's my most productive time of the day whether I've been forced into it or not I don't know but there's new research now that says people whose sleep pattern goes against their natural body clock are more likely to suffer from depression and anxiety and low levels of well-being this is a massive study uh, led by the University of Exeter uh, and uh, the lead author is Jessica O'Loughlin, Dr. Jessica, uh, Dr. Jessica Terrell, I beg your pardon, joins me from the University of Exeter. Jessica, good morning to you. Good morning, how are you? Good, and thank you for being with us. So how do you know your body clock? Like I said there, I've been getting up at either five or six in the morning for the last 30 years habitually. So it's kind of my normal now, but how do I know it's my natural body clock?
7: Well, it sounds to me like it might be your natural body clock if you think you're quite productive in the morning. Um, I'm, I'm definitely like that. I can get up and, and get going. Uh, whereas, so I would say I'm, I'm definitely a lark. And I think people probably know whether they are more productive and more awake in the mornings, or actually if they're one of these amazing people that can work late at night. It always amazes me when I get colleagues sending me emails at 10, 11 at night where my brain's gone to sleep. So I think we have a vague idea, but also Mm. as a society, we are sort of slightly more forced into um, the natural work patterns, which for many of us is that kind of, you know, nine to five, eight to five Mm. standard working day.
5: I should have stressed, I've been doing this for for 30 years and it's my natural, but it it wasn't initially kind of a choice, as in my job dictates that I need to start work that hour of the morning has always done. So, is it natural or is it just something I've learned to do?
7: Um, so, I, I wouldn't, we can have a look at your, your genetic and things, but it, it would really depend on the answer to the question. Would you consider yourself to be more of a morning person yeah. or more of an evening person? And, and I think we all do know a little bit, and yes, our lifestyles change and we, we do it, but Naturally, if I'm on a day off, I would still be up early and doing things. So I guess it would depend, what would you do if you weren't doing it for work?
5: Yeah. Now, this fo- a lot of this research is focused on genetics and genes. Mm-hmm. So your genes determine whether you are an, an early riser or a, or a night owl. How does that work?
7: So it's at least in part genetic. And this is a study that was led by, by colleagues of mine at the University of Exeter. Um, and this was looking at, again, using this big data set where they've asked lots of people know, do you consider yourself to be 100% a morning person? More morning than evening? Not really sure. More evening than morning or definitely an evening person. And they've looked at running that against, so your DNA has got lots of different bases in it and they've compared each base in the DNA in hundreds of thousands of people and different genetic variants have have come up with with being a morning person. So certain genes predispose you to be an early riser. So that could be related to... Um, various different processes that wake us up. Okay.
5: So it, literally, you're you're born able to get up early.
7: So so in part, there's there's some environmental influences, like you say. You know, you were you've worked all your life, and, and that's been early starts, and and so that will have an effect on your ability to get up. But there is a partly genetic component as well.
5: sure And so does that mean hereditary? Because that's obviously. Where, 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 we got our we got our genetics from our parents so is it a registry if your parents were, good, were early risers will you might you be an early riser
7: yeah absolutely so a little bit like um you know various other traits that are partly genetic so things like height and, and BMI um, we will inherit some things from our parents and some of those might be genes that either make us Get up early or, or get up a little bit later.
5: I got you. Now there's a, a very interesting term in a report I read in, in Science Daily: social jet lag. What's that, Jessica?
7: Okay, so in pretty so the initial sort of first kind of social jet lag measure is is effectively looking at how people sleep varies um, from a weekend where we would assume we make the assumption that at weekend generally people aren't working and they will do more what is like natural to them and what they what they feel works. Um, and the social jet lag measure looks at how much on a weekday that deviates from the weekend. So people who have a bigger social jet lag will be, um, you know, perhaps sleeping later at the weekend, but getting right. up regularly earlier. We've actually used a slightly more complicated measure in our most recent research that looks at the variation throughout the week as well, so that it looks at the variation, say last night, it would then compare last night to tonight to tomorrow night, as well as then comparing it to our free days, so our weekend days.
5: Gotcha, gotcha. So, like, if you are naturally an early riser, you're you naturally will wake early at the weekend anyway? Yes. Right. So, and and if by the time Friday comes and you've done your five early mornings to go to work, if if by Saturday you're still struggling to get out of bed at midday, then early rising isn't really your thing
7: it isn't really your thing yeah so it's that kind of spread of, of how much you know that varies so yeah. you know you might you might get up a little bit later at the weekend you know i would probably say half seven eight o'clock i'd be up weekdays i'm up at half five but you know it's not a huge deviation whereas some people might be up at half five and then really want to stay in bed till ten, eleven o'clock on a weekend
5: yeah yeah how does all this tie in with mental health Jessica, like how, how some people are more prone to suffer depression or not?
7: Um, so so what we've done is we've done two different things. Firstly, we looked at, so we took those genetic variants that have been linked to whether you're an early riser or not. And we looked at how they related to mental health and well-being. And we showed that if you were genetically more likely to be a morning person, then you were less likely to have depression and you are more likely to be kind of happy and have, have a higher well-being. And the crucial thing there is, is by using that genetic approach, we get rid of some of the problems that we have in a standard study. So if I took like some data on whether you said you were an early riser or not, and then I looked at depression, I've got lots of confounding factors. So what I mean by that is things like age, sex, uh, how big you are, for example. That could all confound that relationship. But because I'm using the genetics and your genes come from your parents and they're set at birth, We don't have those problems. So that's really nice evidence that actually being an early riser kind of causes you to be less likely um, to have depression. Ah. Then what we've done is we've used a kind of more observational approach. So we can't be quite so confident in our findings. And that's with our social jet lag measure. But what we did was we took the genetic variants of chronotype and showed that if you're an early riser, you are less likely to have social jet lag. I guess because you're more fitted around your kind of social societal norms, if you like. But then we showed that social jet lag measure, the bigger that deviation, so the bigger the jet lag, the more likely you were to have um, depression, anxiety and lower well-being. But what we need to do now is kind of look at whether we can identify some genetic variants and things for that measure to then further test whether that is a true kind of pathway or if it's actually associated with another factor that's driving that
4: relationship.
5: So is the research gone to a point now, Jessica, where you can say with any degree of certainty that a natural early riser is more or less prone to depression?
7: So I think we can say with, with, with that we've got some evidence there that being an early riser is less prone to depression, but we now need to do some more research to tease apart why that might be and whether... Okay how much this kind of misalignment, if you like, is, is driving that relationship. So they, they're they sort of the next steps that we want to follow up and, and use this amazing data set where we've got, you know, 85,000 individuals with um, measured sleep to to explore yeah. this in more detail.
5: Because we all also know, I think, in our lives, or at least we used to, maybe not so much no more, but we used to know someone who habitually worked nights for for years on end, and you were, how do you live and they're happy.
7: Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is the, this is the thing. It's, um, we have looked at a population study, so this is this is kind of looking at everybody. It's not saying that everybody who works nights or everyone who is outside of their um, sleep is going to be unhappy. It's just saying that in an overall population, if you're a little bit more inclined to be a night owl, say you're more likely to be depressed. But there's no guarantee, you know. I, I know That's plenty right. of people who are night owls who are perfectly happy. I
5: know. It's, it's, it's just fascinating. It's not, the science of sleep and rest is, is, is fascinating, Jessica. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Jessica Tyrrell of the University of Exeter joining me on the Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. So if you're a natural early riser, and I reckon by this time in your life you kind of know, I kind of know that I am. But if you're a natural early riser, they're saying that first of all you inherited from your parents and secondly you're less likely to suffer from anxiety and depression if you are suited to getting up early in the morning and you have to get up early in the morning but if you are not an early riser and your job dictates that you have to get up early in the morning then that's not good for your mental health I wonder how you are about that do you get up early in the morning because you have to or because you like it? If you weren't working, so if I said to you tomorrow now you're not working, you have a day off tomorrow, the weather will be nice, you have a day off tomorrow, you normally get up at 6, 7, we'll say half 7 is a nice average time. So, you know, Have you have a day off tomorrow, would you get up at the normal time? Or have you changed since you started working from home, if you are, working from home. I remember when we did a few weeks of me being based at home in Studio 1.5 with the shortest commute in the world. Did I take use of the extra 25 minutes or half an hour? Yeah, I did actually. I did. I, you know, in that kind of, I got up at the same time, but I pottered around a little more lazily in the kitchen until it was time to take our conference call here. You know, that was... but. (laughs) <laughs> I wasn't presenting from the bed, smartass. Could have been a nice idea if it happened. So, you know, do you, if, if I gave you the day off tomorrow and you normally get up in the morning, what would you do? Would you stay in the bed until the middle of the day or would you get up and make the most of the free time? Which would you do? 18.50, 7.15, Can
3: we just talk? The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM with Dairy Made Premium Spread 100% natural
4: and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Let me show you
3: what it's all about. Yeah. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix.
4: Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Bringing you the best afternoon soundtrack in Cork. All your favourite tunes from all the big names. I'm dishing out big prizes. Thank you so much, Simon. And you on the radio with me. Absolutely beautiful. me got all Chat you in the afternoon. Let me show you
2: what it's all about.
3: Simon Murdoch Midday to 4pm
4: With Sean Cusack Insurance's Sale, Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance CMIG.ie On Corks 96FM Call us
3: now 1850
4: 715 996
3: On Corks 96FM Yeah, so what do you like? If
5: I gave the day off tomorrow And you normally get up early What will you do with it? Or are you in better form when you get up in the morning? if you didn't get up you know if you if you didn't have to get up early would you and the finding that they have is that people who are habitual early risers and are better at that time of the day that they tend to suffer less from anxiety and depression that's an interesting finding There'll be much fear and trepidation in many thousands of houses tomorrow morning, up and down the country as the Leaving Cert gets underway. Now, it's a very different Leaving Cert this year. Uh, the 2019 Leaving Cert was the last normal Leaving Cert. Then last year, we didn't have any and we had predicted grades. And this year, we have combination. You can either take the predicted grades or you can sit the written exams. And it'll all work out in the end I suppose but an incredible number of students have opted to take their exams and write their exams one of them is Bernadette who was on with me on the show before Bernadette good morning to you
8: Good morning how are you?
5: Good how are you fixed for tomorrow?
8: Um, I'm, I'm prepared I'm, I'm, I did my best I'm sure um, I'm hopefully going to be able to wake up in the morning Yeah. Um, to be able to take the exams
5: for people who wouldn't know, so how has it been worked out this year? You're were you, are, you are taking the written exams. I am. You, um, got, you got a choice though, didn't you?
8: Yeah, we got the choice between accredited and um, written, and for the accredited it was, you had to do three assessments before the May, uh, May the 14th, and whoever didn't do the um, didn't choose to do the leaving search, and um, they were finished school, like properly on maybe the fourteenth and then um, they are having their summer now. And uh, but um whoever chose to get the accredited and also the leaving cert results and um, they are working up until um whatever exam they have chosen
5: to do. So do you do you have to do the written or the accredited or can you mix the two?
8: You can mix the two um both the accredited I think everyone had to do them but um, you could have chosen. You had to choose um, between um, whether to do like all the exams or only a few of the exams, and then it's a mix of your best results. So they'll take your best um, six subjects, and they'll count that from the accredited and also the leaving.
5: Okay, so if you get, say, let's pick French. I don't know whether you do French or not now, but let's 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 take French. So yes. you 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 sit the written exam and you get a result. Yes. do you also get an accredited result and can you choose which one to take?
8: Um so the State Examinations Commission they um they take your best um grade between the two. So if in accredited grades you get um a higher mark um rather than in the leaving suit, they'll take your accredited grade and okay. vice versa. Oh your results will be
5: a combi- your results will be a combination of your best grades?
8: Yeah, um, it's yeah, they just take your best grades but um, students won't know um, whether it's from the accredited or and the leaving.
5: Okay, and how do you feel about that?
8: Um, Personally, I'm just doing all the exams to get, uh, like, just to maximise my chances of getting yeah. um, the most points I can Um, but I I know um, for the accredited grades like I worked hard towards the um, assessments and I'm working hard towards the leaving cert so like, um, I, I don't mind what, whatever state examinations do, Um, I think it's, you know, the work has been put in, like, for, uh, for, uh, with a lot of students, so I I don't think it's a, a problem in any, in yeah. any way.
5: Yeah. So. Now the results are going to be a little bit later, they're, they're usually the third week in August, we won't have them now, I think is the third of September that they're coming out, is yeah. that going to be a problem?
8: Um, personally, I think it will be for um, people who want to go abroad for college, and um, just because like with things like that, you do need to put in your applications, and do you need to have your Leaving set of results, and it's kind of an issue regarding that. Now, I don't know um, anything about it because I'm not applying abroad, sure. but I have friends who are applying abroad, and and um, they have an issue about that, um, but I don't know anything, and. Um, to do with
5: like what if they're changing it or anything? Yeah, um, the minister for education was on the radio this morning, saying saying that everything would be would be sorted out and that they're talking to all the her other ministers in other countries yeah. so that the Irish won't get left out. But you, you, you kind of have to think it is it is very late being get, to, to be getting your grades. It's like
8: usually the third, third week of August. Yeah.
5: Can, when, of when the, is it that you or what is it that you want to do, Bernadette?
8: I want to do medicine, and if not, I want
5: to do biochemistry in UCC. All right, well, listen, good luck with it. Thank
8: you so much, and thanks for having me on.
5: Delighted to have you on, and good luck, and we'll talk maybe later in the summer. Um, Bernadette, uh, goodbye, and sitting the Leaving Cert tomorrow in full... She's not taking the credit away. She's sitting it in full. And good luck to her and good luck to anybody else who's doing that tomorrow. I can tell you something now, and it's a while since I did my leave insert. Not going to tell you how many years, but it's a while since I did my leave insert. I will never forget the blind terror of the night before. Ever. It never leaves you. So I know exactly how people will feel tonight and tomorrow. 1850 715 Nine nine six. It was a busy weekend for the lifeboats, including just something that happened entirely by chance. Jonathan Connor is the helm of Kinsale lifeboat. Jonathan, good morning. Morning. Um, how are you? Thank you for having me on the show. Delighted to have you. Tell me about that. What happened? You were out training on Saturday, was it? We were.
0: We were. We were out training in the Garretstown area. Just it's a usual spot that we'd be training. And, um, purely by chance, uh, one of the crew members, David, just out of the corner of his eye, spotted this gentleman on the rocks right down in the water line. And, um, you know, he was, he was in a fairly bad condition. Um, nobody knows how he, how he got there or, or ended up in the water or how long he was in the water. Mm. But, um, but yeah, we, we just stumbled upon him. Um, you know, if if I could tell the gentleman, I would I would urge him to buy a lottery ticket because he is the luckiest man I've ever ever come across in my life, and um, it's it's un, unknown how long, you know, he could have lasted. Yeah, um, in that position,
5: was he? He, he um, was being swept like he he had he he was being swept back and forward by the tide onto the rocks. He's lucky he wasn't very badly injured.
0: Yeah. So the the gentleman, um, he. We found him just clinging onto to the top of the rocks, um at the base of, of it's it's a low cliff area um just west of Garretstown. And um he he was there was a quite a large surge of water coming in and out and he was getting bounced up the rocks. Um and we our fear was that he would get dragged back down. Yeah. Come out to sea. Um so it was it was kinda quick thinking on our behalf to try and get uh, so I managed to put Colin and John in on shore with them to do casualty care right um, and then the the emergency services so Valencia the coordination center they kicked everything off and they were able to get us the the local coast guard unit and um, task and the Shannon uh, rescue helicopter right and uh, so it, it was very thick, uh, very quick thinking on um, on behalf of everybody, um, and just yeah, very much having the right asset in the right area at the at the right time for that yeah. gentleman. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's been a busy, busy, um, busy weekend over the coast. Certainly the Cork Cork coastline. Um, I know yeah. the lifeboats have been out um, non-stop, and yeah. it's just it's kind of it's urging people just to to have that respect for the
5: water. Yeah, the sea doesn't um, the sea doesn't have mercy when it decides to go against you. Yeah. No. Ed, you were you're were out for a broken mast on on a yacht and a, a a sailing boat that was in danger of sinking. Correct.
0: Um that was so yeah, so that was yesterday. Um yesterday afternoon we had one vessel um earlier in the day that was taking on water. Um the, the gentlemen the two gentlemen on board they, they made the exact textbook um call. You know, they made gave us plenty of time to get there. Um they gave us all the details so we'd be able to find them. And um, I believe they were just after doing a, a course, so the the course definitely paid for itself. It fresh um,
5: fresh in their minds. Yeah.
0: Fresh in the mind, exactly. Yeah. Um but then yeah, the 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 fourth call out for the weekend was uh a, a demasted yacht then um, yesterday evening. So they were they were just leaving Kinsale on route back to to Port Sherry and um, the the mast the mast gave way on the on the vessel. These things do happen. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, luckily, thankfully, nobody was hurt. It's it's a lot of uh, a lot of metal to come down all at, all at once. Absolutely, so,
5: um, absolutely. So. You do you have any idea, Jonathan, whether the lad you picked out of the sea there is he, is he alright?
0: I haven't, so it's it's the one um it's the one thing that always gets us as crew. We we usually get them out of the water, away to safety and into the care of the ambulance service or or the Coast Guard helicopters, but we don't tend to hear the the um, the end outcome or the, the story. He was recovering quite well when we were when we were sending him away. So, oh, that's, um, that's,
5: so that's very
0: that's good.
5: A, that's a good, um, a good sign. Okay. Well, here's hoping that he made a full and complete recovery. And once again, we should remind Jonathan. Thank you very much, Jonathan Connor, the helm of Kinsale Lifeboat. Are in life. We should remind ourselves time and time again. These are the people who go in when we're running away, and what's more, they are all volunteers. Quick reminder to you that Cork 96 FM's free speaker frenzy is coming next Monday. Loads of cool new smart speakers to give away. Just listen for the cue to text or WhatsApp. And if we call you back, which we will, repeat the phrase, play Cork's 96 FM to win a smart speaker. It's Cork's 96 FM free Speaker Frenzy with Blackpool Fully opened up Great to be back See blackpool.ie And stay listening to win From next Monday And remember to say Play Cork's 96FM We've Dozens of them Dozens of them to give away Smart speakers Over the next few weeks 1850 715996 Lots of people telling us about our, Their early rising patterns And the temptation of If I gave you tomorrow off and you're normally an early riser, what would you do? Would you get up or stay in bed? Or do you have a particular pattern? Do you like getting up early anyway? Or do you just have to do it for work? If you have to do it for work, is it a trudge that you drag with you, like a a big eight-pound block tied onto your foot? Or do you just have to learn to live with it Is it normal for you to get up early or normal for you to be getting up late? Have a think about it. Dylan says, I swing between my sleeping patterns. I can't stick to just one. I just can't. Kevin says, When I worked nights, I was a much more grumpy fecker than I am now. (laughs) Thank you, Kev. Viv in Madrid. I'll read that one out later on. It's a longer one. PJ, My father got arrested and was Foreman Miller at Odlums in Cork for 50 years. He worked... Three shifts rotating weekly all that time eight to four four to twelve twelve to eight I don't know how he did it I don't know how you would do that John they were incredible men well, the men of that era they, they, they like working to all those shifts uh, round the clock and changing every couple of weeks that's hard going that's hard going Paul if I tomorrow off even though I drive for a living I'd be up and gone on the motorbike to Bera or the Ring of Kerry it's a great de stressor Eugene, I'm normally up at 6, so I'd get up at 7 and fool around for a few hours and then go back to bed for a nap. Thanks, Huge. 1857 15996. I have a book in my hand, and there's. Look, there's dozens of them come out. There's loads of different books about improving your life and helping yourself and finding, you know, the, the best of yourself. And, and you could stack a, a room with these books. But this is an unusual one, written by Jerry Hussey, the man otherwise known as the Soul Coach. And the blurb is that you can find within yourself the power to do exactly what you want. But you've got to look within yourself to find it and this book purports to teach you to do just that because we're not very good at looking within ourselves because when you look into yourself you mightn't often find stuff you like you might find stuff you say I don't want to talk about that I don't want to think about that but Jerry's premise is that you've got to do that and if you do it it pays off dividends. Jerry good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Good. We all have to look into ourselves to see the truth, but it's not often a pleasant one. So if we have to do it, how do we best do it?
9: I think it's really key. You know, there's a a little thing in the book that says the relationship you have with yourself is probably the most important thing in your health and well-being because we're exposed to our own self 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So if the relationship you have with yourself is one of joy or calm or love or fun, you have a great chance of being healthy. But if the voice you hear inside is what I call your inner critic, if it's one that's always giving out to yourself, one that's not very nice, one that's pushing yourself too hard, then it doesn't really matter what the external voices are saying. It's that inner voice. And um, and I, I, I became really clear about that from working with high-performance and Olympic athletes very often, particularly with boxers, you think your biggest opponent is the, the person on the other side of the ring. But having worked, you know, in that field for years and been a, a failed athlete myself, I kinda realised that the biggest enemy wasn't the guy in the ring with me. My the biggest enemy was, was the voice inside my head. And mm-hmm. the more I work with people and the more I understand people and, and what trauma is and and The way we can get in our own ways is the more I absolutely believe now that if we can come to overcome that inner voice in our head and that inner critic, I think something amazing happens.
5: Self-belief is the best belief, but it's a very hard belief to maintain.
9: Yeah, it's true, and I talk about all these things. So whether it's self-belief or whether it's self-esteem and they're kind of different, whether it's fun or, or health, I see all these things as as buckets and they all have little holes in them because life at times will, you know, maybe we'll fail an exam, we'll go for a job, we won't get it, we'll lose something, a relationship will break down. So life has a way of taking self-belief away from us or it takes energy away from us. And, you know, as you spoke about earlier, life sometimes is, is so busy. So we have to replenish ourselves all the time because if any of these buckets go empty, um then we're empty. And, you know, if you go back to the day when we were born, most babies are born healthy and well and full of fun and full of laughter and full of curiosity. Mm. And the sad thing is, by the time we're adults, a lot of that has kind of been depleted of. So whether it's self-confidence or calmness or joyfulness, I think we need to do something every day. I call it CODE, which is a code calendar of daily events. So we need to do little things every day to replenish our energy, replenish our self-confidence. And it keeps going back to the biggest thing that depletes us is that voice inside our head. What do I say to myself? What do I say about myself? And mm. do I sometimes speak to myself in a way that I wouldn't speak to someone that I love?
5: Where does that voice come from, Jerry? You know, you're there in someone might have a successful line of work or a successful business or a good relationship or whatever and yet they sit alone with themselves giving out to themselves. You're not yeah. good enough you don't deserve this, you're going to be found out
9: it's, it's amazing how hard we are on ourselves. It happens in two ways. Sometimes it's the voice of someone external, it could be a teacher it could be a parent, something that someone says and they might have meant something but we hear it and because it's emotional we remember what's most emotional so we start to internalize it. And then the, the problem is that we we internalize that external voice so often that we, we don't even question it then anymore. We don't even question whether it's true or not or whether it's fair or not. It just starts to play. So sometimes it's an external voice of a teacher or a parent that we've internalized. And then sometimes it 's uh it 's a voice that we create ourselves maybe it 's a situation whereby we felt rejected or we felt not enough or something happened and we started to blame ourselves so it can it can be an external voice uh, or it can be one that we create ourselves. but the good news is that through things like positive affirmations, through mindfulness, through becoming aware of this, you can actually begin to change it. Mm. And we know now that the voice in your head the emotions you feel, we know now from science that that actually impacts the physiology of the body. So if I'm thinking in a way that's stressful or anxious or or damaging, that sends a message, a threat signal down to my central nervous system. It ignites the sympathetic nervous system, which is your which is your fight or flight. That produces stress chemicals. And we know now that if we live in this constant state of stress or constant state of activation where we're always on, always going, that high level of cortisol gets Gets into the gut and actually depletes our immune system. So we've never been more certain that our thoughts, our emotions, and even the words we use actually change the physiology and chemistry of the body. Mm. So in the book, I explore a lot about the mind-body connection and a, a lot of the physical diseases, a lot of the aches, pains, a lot of things that show up in the physical body. Are very often symptoms of this lack of ease, and if you look at the word disease, we often think it's something physical, yeah. which it can be. But disease actually means lack of ease. So if we live with a lack of ease in the mind for long enough, it begins to show on our bodies.
5: You talk a lot about our our childhood selves, your eight year old self, and and about how we were as babies. What's the how how does that become important in our adult lives to to remember be, how we were as kids?
9: Well, yeah. So what we need to know is our brain works in wave patterns, so we have different wave patterns, and in any given day we can switch. So beta brain wave is your high stress level, and we can measure these all the time. But what's really important for people to know is between the age of zero and eight, we're working on what is alpha brain wave. Alpha brain wave is very important because it's almost like a subconscious pattern. It allows us to download information very, very fast. So that's why babies can learn language very fast. They can learn two or three languages. They can learn social skills, interaction skills they can learn about themselves, spatial awareness, motor skills. So the baby's almost in this like supercharged learning where the brain is in uh, this, uh, this, this brainwave pattern and it literally downloads everything really, really fast. Now mm-hmm. the problem with that is it's downloading so fast that it doesn't really stop to analyze what's true, what's not true. Right. The only thing it's seen is what gets me accepted, what seems to be normal. So the beliefs you formed about yourself by the time you're eight are actually locked into your subconscious mind. And that's why eight is is a particularly relevant point of view from a scientific point of view, because that's where a lot of our beliefs are formed. Now, if you had a bigger trauma or a bigger experience when you're 12 or 15, well, that might actually be more important. But for most of us who don't have that single big traumatic experience, you can track it back to what are the beliefs you held about yourself when you were seven, eight years old. Because you were in there, you were in that uh, that brainwave pattern where you, you downloaded everything and it became it became so embedded in your beliefs about yourself and the world. And at
5: eight you thought, like, life was carefree or should be, but when you think back along now, I suppose there is this thing that children live what they see and they learn what they see so if there were negatives in your life at 8, then you may well have taken them on board and kept them in your life at 38, 48, 28 Of course, I think we live
9: most of our adult life trying to meet the unmet unmet needs of an 8 year old child and sometimes like for instance, if you were with a parent, and the parent was busy or stressed. Uh, mm-hmm. the child is, is the child doesn't know about work or emails or Zoom calls. Yes. The child only knows: is this person engaged with me? Do they love me? Am I important enough to get their full attention? So if you if we spend time with oh
5: god, that's the that line is starting to go, Jerry. Yeah, can you hear me? I can. Yeah.
9: Yeah the child can't distinguish between why you're absent but they just know that you are I'm yeah I'm not important enough and then they internalize that so what the child starts to think I'm not important enough for this person to give me their attention so that's why by the age of 8 we've actually formed opinions about what we deserve about how important we are and about how loved we are, and I think the greatest trauma a human being can experience is the feeling of being unloved
5: or unlovable. That's actually trauma. There's, lastly, based on that, there's there's great parenting advice in that concept, isn't there, Jerry?
9: Well, it comes down to just being more present. And in the book, we talk about nine hundred months, which kind of frightens a lot of people. But nine hundred months, believe it or not, is your average life expectancy, and you sleep three hundred. So we roughly get 600 months on the planet. If you're my age... You're it sounds happy. very short. It is very short. And and yet we spend so much of our time distracted and worried about things that it might never be. Yeah. And if you ask people, you know, what are the three most important things in your life? They'll say, my, my children, my family, my health. And then I say, what three things take up most of your time? So I think the biggest gift that the book gives you is a, a new appreciation for yourself for time and become more aware of what am I giving my time to, is this really important and if I can become more present in my own life and more present with the people I love it gives them a great gift as well
5: Over the last 15 or 16 months of this blasted pandemic that hopefully we'll be out the back of before the end of the year, Jerry, I think a lot of people certainly i have spoken to them on the air here they've learned an awful lot more about what is really, really important in life. Can that be a, a, a game changer for us in terms of our mental health going forward?
9: I think it has to be. I think it has to be. And it's not so much that we were putting our time into the wrong things, but you know, when we talk about the disease of distraction, we normalised busy. We normalised tired. We normalised getting through the week on coffee. And we nearly wore it as a badge of honour. And what happens then is your life just becomes a blur. And you just your life is passing you by. And I think in life, the biggest tragedy is not death because at some level, we're born to understand death. We know it's part of life. So tr- death is never the tragedy. The tragedy is arriving at the end and realizing that we never actually lived. We never actually took the time to enjoy our life or to be present. So I think the biggest thing we learned in the pandemic was all that travel, all that commuting, all that rushing and racing, was it actually making me happy? And a lot of people are realizing it wasn't. I was actually sad. And it was making me not just sad, but it was probably making me sick. And the biggest wish I have is that people now will realize the impact of chronic stress. People will realize that we, so many, even in the middle of COVID, the vast majority of people in hospital are in hospital with lifestyle-based issues. Too much stress, too much wrong food, not enough exercise, too much processed food, that's actually what's making us sick. And if we could just realize the impact of our thoughts, emotions and the food we eat, and we realize that if we make little changes now, and I'm only talking little changes, we can actually change the chemistry and biology of the body. And by doing that, we are allowing ourselves to live healthier for longer and see the things that really matter, things like our children getting married, see we actually have more of a say on our health and well-being than we think. Getting sick, being tired, being stressed are not normal. Just because they're common doesn't make them normal. And I hope now people realise it is possible to live a life where on most days you feel energised and joyful and happy. And it's just around making the decision to commit to little
5: things each and every day. Okay. Jerry, leave it there. Thank you very much. Good luck with the book. It's called Awaken Your Power Within uh, the longer title, Let Go of Fear, Discover Your Infinite Potential, Become Your True Self. That is Jerry Hussey on the opinion line. Thanks, Jerry. 1850 715 996. Food for thought, methinks.
3: Can we just talk? opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With
4: dairy made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream.
3: Simon Murdoch and the best music mix.
4: Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Whether you're at work or if the kitchen table is your office at the moment or if you're in the car dropping off or picking up the kids from school, I've got the biggest tunes on your radio to get you through the afternoon from midday on Cork's 96FM. Yeah,
5: there's a lot in what Jerry is saying. Just Try to remember the things that are important and concentrate on them. Try to just determine what is important and what is just a waste of my time. 1850-715-996. Do you know when you talk to someone frequently about the same topic, when they're an activist for something, you sometimes forget that they have a whole life behind that and something can come into your life or your family life and turn it upside down in a heartbeat. And I um, speak today of my friend uh, Carmel Cantwell, um, who you would have spoken to many times, or we've spoken to many times about Besbra and things associated with it. But like everybody else, Carmel has another life uh, and she has a son. And it's been a day of our weekend of celebrations, Carmel, as Ryan came home. Good morning to you.
10: Hi, PJ. Good morning.
5: And delighted that he's home and delighted that he's getting there. What happened to him? He's only 23. What happened?
10: Um, Yeah, last uh, November, he went for elective shoulder shoulder surgery, um, which was from a a hurling injury. Um, It was meant to be a day procedure, in and out. I I dropped him off in the morning. I was to collect him at 3 to 4 in the afternoon. And the phone call never came. I wasn't too worried at first. I just thought, oh, he's in a queue for the operation, et cetera. And uh, eventually I started to worry and we rang up. I was told he was uh, still in surgery. And then I rang again an hour later and he was in recovery room. And then an hour after that, I got a phone call just to say, oh, look, uh, Ryan is a little bit agitated. You better come up here. I kind of started to think there was something odd because in COVID and everything, they don't encourage people to come into the hospital so as soon as I got to the hospital, there was the surgeon and a nurse waiting for me, and then I got really, really frightened. Um, the, the way they were starting to talk, I didn't know whether he had died, or I knew something um, had really bad happened. And um, it turned out he'd had a stroke. Oh, um somewhere, somewhere between, I don't know, the surgery or the recovery room. And um, I was then put up into his room, and I, he wasn't there at that time. He was down having... Uh, CT scan um, but he couldn't stay still and he had to um, go back a second time for the scan and when I eventually saw him then he was in just an awful state Um, just a nightmare, a complete utter nightmare
5: When you say an awful state, Campbell, did he recognise you? Was he awake?
10: Um, He was disorientated, he couldn't speak, he was very frightened um, the, the nurses were trying to calm him down. He was pulling the wires out of his arms, uh, the catheter out. Um, you know, later on afterwards, he told us that he thought that his leg was going to be amputated. You know, all these things were going in his mind. Um, you know, he couldn't communicate. Pro- he could say the odd word. Mm. Uh, he couldn't say our names. Um... Uh, you know, he and really that whole, that first night was just awful. It was he he just didn't know really what was going on. Um, at, at some stage, he knew what happened, and he just started saying, "Oh my God! Oh my God!" Um, and then the next day, he calmed down, um, and um, we, knew, we kind of knew what we were left with. Then he yeah. got transferred to the CUH stroke unit. Um, and then that was another complete story because of COVID I couldn't go with, I wasn't even allowed in the ambulance with him, I pleaded to go in the ambulance with him and the ambulance man let me in and um, then when I got to see UH, I wasn't allowed to go up to the ward with him and uh, that first week you know, I was just in a a desperate state because I know that the first uh, few weeks after having a stroke are the most important in terms of rehabilitation and you know, stimulating him and everything. So, um, you know, I spoke to the powers that be and they said that one family member could go into him every day and we nominated his older brother, um, Elliot, who was just fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, He went into him, went to do physio with him. Um, You know, we got all the photographs of everybody and put the names underneath and plastered them all over the walls just to keep stimulating him. Yeah. Um,
5: You don't expect... 23-year-old, healthy young men who play hurling. You you don't expect them to get strokes, do you?
10: No, a complete and utter, it was a complete, utter shock to us. Never in my wildest dreams did I think this would happen to Ryan. Hmm. Really healthy lad, six foot tall, huge, very healthy, active, you know.
5: How long was he in hospital for?
10: Um, he was in CUH Stroke Unit for two months. He came home for a few weeks while he was waiting for a place in the National Rehabilitation Hospital in Dunleary. Um And, and thankfully, he got in a place there. And he's been there for the last three months. Uh, so we hadn't seen him at all. Mm. Um, his older brother, again, was in Dublin. And was, he was able to, uh, every couple of weeks, you could nominate one person to come in for an hour. So he did see his brother and apart from that, we just FaceTimed him, but I wasn't so worried then because he did improve so much, he knew yeah. he could, uh, he, you know, he was a lot better at communicating. And yeah, um,
5: how did the stroke affect him? Like, what effects did it take did, did, like, with
10: uh, Well, initially, he couldn't walk, talk, and, and everything on his right side was gone. Uh, the, the, the advantage was that he is actually left handed, so at least he could use his left hand. Um, within I think it was 2 weeks they actually got him up and he took his first steps which was just huge because then I knew that he wasn't going to be in a wheelchair. Yeah. Um uh, the talking took uh longer. Um you know he he knew exactly what he wanted to say in his mind but he couldn't um he couldn't find the words. Um mm. so that was that's been a long process. Isn't that um, the,
5: they call that aphasia isn't
10: it? Yeah, he's got expressive and receptive aphasia. Um uh, I mean, like, he could say a really big word, but then he couldn't put the sentence together grammatically or, you know, yeah. with the short words. Um, or he would get opposites mixed up in instead of about he or she, yes and no. So, like, it was really hard at the beginning to understand what he wanted to say. Mm. Um, Uh, but I mean thank God he's really improved a lot uh, that way Um, now he can walk but he's we didn't realise, we thought that that he had no problems with his legs at all until um, they they put him into a car to try and see if he could drive again and he can't drive with his right leg because he's got no feeling and he's got no sensory awareness so um, you know going forward he's only going to be able to drive an adapted car
5: Nice. so, so, is, so is, like, there, is there permanent damage done, Carmel?
10: We don't know. We're hoping, okay, we're six months now afterwards and we're hoping that the language will keep improving. Mm. Um, um, the, the hand really is the biggest problem. He can't use his right hand, mm. but he has got some movement back so he can lift his hand or he can lift his arm, but he can't really use the digits Right. Um, can't really use the wrist and the elbow so like picking up a, a glass of water you can't really do with that and yeah. um,
5: and he, uh, yeah. he is ongoing care for that does he
10: yes well he's out he's only out since Friday and we're, we're hoping that the speech and language and the um, physiotherapy will continue um, he's they've been so marvellous the hospital that you know they got him um going back to college in November, uh, in September. Oh. Um, he was doing a master's. He did his degree the year before, and um, he's hoping to continue, but perhaps on a part-time basis.
5: Yeah, yeah. And who's been taking care of you and Brian?
10: <laughs> well, just... Each,
5: each other, I think, yeah.
10: Each other, yeah. And we've got younger kids at home as well, so uh, they keep us busy.
5: The show has to go on for them, too.
10: Yes, yeah, it does. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, we're just so grateful that this nightmare could have been a lot worse than it was. Yeah. Um, but you know, we're, we're hoping that um, Ryan will just, uh, you know, he'll keep going for He's a he's a very strong boy. He's determined.
5: Mm. Very determined to to get back himself, to build himself yeah. back up again. Yeah.
10: Yeah, because he's so young. He says, "I've got my life in front of me." Um, so I don't know. He might have to change in terms of what he wanted to do as an occupation. But uh, you know, what is it he want well. to do? Well, he wanted to do something um, with, with with pharmaceuticals. With um, he was doing health and nutrition, uh, microbiology. So um, you know, he was he was doing um, work. Um, what do you call it? Internment. In, uh, where you go out and you put you work in a lab intern yeah he, yeah intern sorry um, but he won't be able to do that because he can't use both hands right, right. Um, so uh, he'll have to adapt to something else
5: okay well you know what he's he's young and like you said he's determined and he's got great support from you and his dad and a great family behind him so here's hoping Carmel and of course this is the month of June is aphasia awareness month and uh, a lot of people suffer aphasia as a result of strokes but I think the big surprise for listeners will be a young man, young, fit, healthy man of 23 you don't expect them to get strokes
10: No, you don't and they never found an underlying cause they don't know why it happened um, actually, COVID was mentioned because um, they found that he had COVID antibodies and they think he could have had COVID a couple of weeks before the operation I don't know. They said they can't prove anything, but maybe it was a factor with the blood clotting. Yeah. Um, we just don't know. He's had every test, so we don't know why this happened to him. Yeah,
5: okay. well, I guess here's here's hoping that that the the road to recovery will continue to be as good as it has been so far. Thank you very much. That's Carmel Cantwell um, and her. You do not expect it. Thank you, Carmel. You do not expect young twenty-three-year-old fit lads like like Ryan. I'm I'm very taken by what she said there at the end. That they think because they found COVID antibodies, he may well have been an asymptomatic case that had uh, no problems until it came to something affecting blood clots. That's not certain, but there's a theory there. Maybe he got maybe his uh, his blood was affected by COVID nineteen in a way he didn't know. It's, it's scary. 185715996. Now we're reading out the property tax last week, and I was talking to the Minister for Public Expenditure, Michael McGrath last Wednesday uh, about the new plans for property tax, where a couple of things are happening. First of all, all the bans are being changed and all that. New homes built since 2003,13, rather, they've been exempt. Uh, from the property tax since it came in, but now they're going to come into it as well. About 640,000 homeowners up and down the country will face an increase for around 90 quid in their local property tax. And anyone who bought a new house in the last eight years will get bills for the first time. But there was a piece in the Independent over the weekend that said homeowners with big back gardens or driveways could face higher property tax bills Under the new scheme, sheds, garages and extensions could add to your local property tax. That's certainly concerning. David Hall, the Irish Mortgage Holders Organisation. David, good morning. Good morning, BJ. I assume they don't mean that you'll have to pay an extra tax for the barn or shed where you keep the lawnmower.
11: Yeah, it's a bit unclear. I think that's what they're indicating that could be the case. I think um, I think that this is based on a, trying to bring in a balance. He gave out the numbers at the start saying a bit of 100,000 people will be brought into this uh, tax bracket now, uh, which is a home tax. Uh, some like to call it a wealth tax. I think there's a bit of a misunderstanding. The assumption is because somebody might own a house or be in a house that they're actually wealthy. They have worked hard and, and uh, paid their way in life to get to owning their own home and this is now a, a sort of a tax that's come and okay, there's been a court. people not included in it. So out of fairness, this had to happen. I think in the context of everything that's going on, on the same day this was announced, the Tóniste, uh, Leo Bradgar announced that 38 billion euros had been borrowed to deal with the pandemic and still more to come. So this will net an additional 80 million And I think in that context, it's quite a bizarre timing of this is quite bizarre. Mm. Well, understanding that it needs to be balanced. And again, I think the key part here, PJ, is just because somebody's in a house doesn't necessarily mean they can afford to pay a bundle of taxes on top of them. They may not have the income because you can't cash in a part of your house, a part of your lawn, your driveway or your shed, or your lawnmower, for want of better words, to be able to turn around and say, I can pay my way in taxes. And many people that have come forward privately and publicly you know, since this has been announced, you know, might be on a, gen- a sort of small pension, might be on a state pension, has paid off their home. And that doesn't mean they can pay 90 quid more or indeed a 1,000 euros more in tax. And it's not, the timing is quite strange. I think it's why worrying that this would happen at this time given it's been put off for the last number of years. Like, to put something off for many, many years and then to come to a national pandemic when everyone's going to be recovering afterwards yeah. and then
5: suddenly impose this taxation is quite bizarre. As I was saying to the minister when I spoke to him on Wednesday, like, you know, I'm in a lucky situation here. I've, you know, my job has been intact throughout the pandemic. If, if my property tax goes up by, by 90 quid in the year, do you know what? I can sustain that. But, but others simply cannot, and plus the guy who bought his house in 2014 or 2015 and his business has gone wallop because of the pandemic, he certainly can't afford to take a new tax on from scratch.
11: No, and likewise, I, I have an ambulance company, unfortunately, despite a few wobbly weeks during the the pandemic, we've been kept going and kept intact. We availed of some of the state supports that kept us going. But many other... Uh, entities and and organisations and businesses and individual workers will not return to work in the same way. They'll return with less hours, with grave uncertainty, and uh, will have greater priorities other than a property tax. Indeed, many will be making sure they can pay their mortgage. Mm -hmm. And So I think there's a very... And and being able to afford rent and pay rent and, and the elephant in the room, the biggest elephant in the room in the pandemic has been landlords and what is the reaction going to be to landlords. Many landlords have been exceptionally accommodating of businesses and indeed of tenants. Others have not. And the, you know, one of the elephants in the room is what's going to happen with the arrears in, in rent that's been owing to businesses yeah. because opening yesterday is wonderful. But that's not to say that your landlord isn't going to come knocking on the door. So there's a whole host of challenges and that's why for a net 80 million additional monies given that we've paid out th- and borrowed sorry paid out there's no magic there's no magic cauldron of funds here we've paid out 38 billion quite close to our net position of the last crisis by the way i know it's a slightly different structure and mm-hmm. it was it was fueled on a different basis but nonetheless we did have the universal social charge which is not going away uh, that was a temporary measure at the time to recoup some of the funds and now this is the first tax that we've seen uh, introduced and there was, an, there was a balance to be fair to the ministers involved there was a balance required between those who were already in the net but ultimately you know somebody who has a house in Donnybrook a three bedroom semi-detached house in Donnybrook in Dublin at 450000 for somebody who has a ranch in Leitrim and no disrespect to Leitrim but a ranch of 450000 worth of a house in Leitrim where property prices are quite low will pay the same property tax that mm. is quite strange um, and indeed somebody in rural Ireland will arguably incorrectly say I don't avail of the local amenities around parks that have been maintained. I don't avail of the local amenities of the lighting and the paths and everything else that happened. Because I am three miles from anywhere, any town or village. So there's a huge anomaly in relation to this. But I just think the time, PJ, for all the reasons we've said and for what you've said about people not returning in the same circumstances under immense pressure and great challenges is very, very strange to be
5: implementing this tax at this time. All right, David. Leave it there. Thank you very much, David Hall from the Irish Mortgage Holders Organisation eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine. So I was looking at some of the bands. There was there was a few different things in the papers over the weekend about the bands and what'll go up and what'll go down. And I was trying to do a calculation of our own property tax at home, and, and I think it'll go up by about ninety quid. I think it will. But then you read another report and think, you no, it might say the same. You don't know. It certainly won't go down anyway, it's one thing for sure. But what seems to be really annoying people is this thing about sheds and driveways and extensions. And moreover now, if you take the 15 months that have just gone where people looked at that big patch of grass and weeds and dirt out the back and decided you know what, they're telling us now to spend time at home, they're telling us to stay in the garden they're telling us this, this, that, so people went and they spent money on doing up their garden and they built decks and they put in seated areas and they really trimmed their lawn did a nice job, maybe bought a barn, a shed but now they might have to pay a tax for that which is a bit crackers 1850
3: Can we just talk Opinion line on Cork's 96 FM
5: with Dairy
4: Made Premium Spread 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your
3: guide to nightlife on the Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment.
11: Featuring over 40 events from 14 to 27th of June, Cork City itself will become a stage, a dance floor, a gallery, and more as Cork Summer Festival 2021 takes place from the port to the fort on your very own doorstep and across the city, you'll find extraordinary art encounters.
3: Access
11: all areas. In 2020, Triscoll and the National String Quartet Foundation celebrated the 250th anniversary of the birth of Beethoven. Now a series of online concerts featuring the Van Ficino and 2020 quartets will be available on demand online from the 14th to 27th of June from triscollartcentre.ie Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a Schedule a show coming up or any live events by emailing us at aaa
5: at 96fm.ie.
4: Access all areas. Your
3: guide to nightlife
4: on side On Cork's 96fm.
5: Now we mentioned the Leaving search earlier on, talking to Bernadette, who starts her Leaving search tomorrow. And I mentioned at the end of it, the, the memory that never leaves you of what it was like the day before, the night before, and the morning of. And that like I said, it's not yesterday nor the day before, nor a long time before, that I did my leaving cert. But I will never forget that last twenty-four hours. And Aaron Wolf joins me from Dodge to Eamon Reish. Aaron, good morning. Morning PJ, how are you doing? I'm great, boy. It. it never changes, does it? I feel for them today and I yes, will feel are. for them tonight.
12: It's a terrible day. It's the exact opposite of Christmas Eve, you know. It's uh, a day that you're, 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 you're waiting to come, but you don't want it to come. Um, it's, it's a horrible day for leaving students across the country. But um, that's the same for everyone. We all, as you said it yourself, we all remember what it was like. And as soon as that paper is opened up tomorrow, all the anxiety and all the fear will, will evaporate and uh, mm. the students will plough into the work. And um, by Friday... It's, um, they'll, they'll take anything and they'll be happy out, you know.
5: Yeah, the, the back will be broken on it by tomorrow. And off. of course, everything is changed as well for the second year in a row. That adds to the tension.
12: It has. But you know what? People this year, um, they, they do have a the slight advantage. I mean, the papers have been totally changed. And huge credit to the State Exams Commission for changing, for making such significant changes. And just to kind of put it into context, the changes, what they would be. In English Paper 1, which we start with tomorrow, normally you have a choice. You, you do a comprehension, you do what's called a question B, which is a diary extract or a speech, some of like that, and you do an essay. Um, but this year you can choose between either doing the comprehension or doing the question B. So it's a- brilliant um, Mm -hmm. I mean a third of the paper tomorrow is gone. And the same then for English paper too, which is always an exciting one because everyone's always trying to guess, you know, what poet will come up. But you you don't even have to do poetry this year. You know, you could have dropped you you you, you, there'll be the question there'll be a question on Shakespeare, the study text, the comparative and the poetry, but one of those you can skip. So um, again a third of the paper is gone and that's massive for students.
5: Yeah, the, the paper, particularly paper two, was almost traditionally, in my time anyway, certainly, uh, practically impossible to finish it properly.
3: That you're writing
5: four or five full length essays in three hours, like what? What well, to decided the that time, was a good the, idea, you
12: know? The time was increased; it's over three hours now. I mean, they changed that, and I remember I was leaving. cert did bit in 2000. They introduced a half an hour extra, so um, it, it, the paper is longer, and you can you can get it finished, you know. And it's about the timing of it, and yeah. uh, but it is content. It's you know it's the quality over quantity, you know. As long as the students in English, particularly, you give your opinion of what you think, you know, don't just be uh, you know we're rewriting the notes of someone else give your honest opinion and that's what gets the good marks in English
5: what's the best advice for parents and siblings and friends tonight uh, if you have uh, someone who's going for a leaving start tomorrow
12: oh be there for them you know um, give them a call if you have nephews and nieces or anything just give them a ring wish them good luck um, that's all we can do do you know mum and dad give them space um, it's just now it's time to be supporting them, you know? Um, mm. No point saying, you know, you haven't studied or you haven't done this. Um, that horse is bolted now. Yeah. Um, it's now it's, it's all about being there for them and cook a nice dinner, get a takeaway or something, and, and yeah. be there for them tomorrow. And there's no point going over at the exam. As soon as they leave oh. the exam, mm. you forget the the, the, the autopsy. Yeah. I mean, it's done. Forget it.
5: Yeah. Post-mortems, they're, they're a thing. People always do them, but they shouldn't. They shouldn't. They shouldn't. And, you know, very often we always find when you feel
12: you've done badly in an exam, you never know. You never know what the examiner is looking for, you know? Um, so students just don't don't bother going down that route because you never know. So there's no point.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And um, the worst of it is, yes, the parents, sometimes parents like to go through, well, what you do now for question three? That drives you crazy. But it, actually the one in the schoolyard where everyone is doing the, the post-mortem, that's worse again.
12: Please don't be listening to your colleagues, you know. Um, but uh, this year, schools, I suppose, will be hunting them out of the playground tomorrow because we want them to social distance. And yes, we don't of want course. To be mixing. so that that will be. But parents, yeah, pe- but parents do that as well during the school day. On a normal school day, when Johnny gets into the car, they want a, a detailed account of what happened and what happened. And, yes. You know, and students, teenagers, don't want to do that. No, Teen- they don't. <laughs> you know, parents just give them a bit of space and. <laughs> oh, yeah, they don't. That-
5: Leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> And they're not they being—they're not being—they're not, being, not being nasty because they don't want to talk about it. They just genuinely don't want to talk about it right now. <laughs> Aaron, I'm going to leave it there because that line is starting to break up a little bit. I mean, Aaron Wolf, uh, the principal of Clush to Eamon Reesh Deer Park CBS tomorrow. Start to the leaving we'll start English paper one. Go easy on them tonight. Get them a big dirty burger or a big pizza, and just throw food at them and give them whatever they want. Give them whatever they want. This is one of the hardest nights of their young lives so far.
3: The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850 715
4: 996.
3: Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. 96.
4: Email opinion at 96
3: fnie The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan
4: on Cork's 96FM.
3: A bunch of you still
5: sending us in your suggestions, what you'd do if we gave you the day off tomorrow. If you normally get up really early in the morning and we gave you the day off tomorrow, What would you like to do? Would you just have a lie-in or would you get up and make the most of the day? Finbar says, I always have something to do every morning. Get up, get out of bed. Join a pitch and put club or help a charity if you have nothing else to do. Sedan's pitch and put club is only €75 for a year, says Finbar. So get up, have something to do. That's a good idea, Finbar. Have something to do that you have to get up for and that'll avoid you getting lazy and staying in the bed Mags, five o'clock for me same time every morning and I hop out of the bed straight away, weekends are the same, although in fairness it's the only time I get an hour to myself (laughs) Uh, Valerie, I'm up for work every day at six, on my day off I'm awake at six, up and down putting in washing, I make cups of tea and back to bed to listen to read until about ten I never fall back to sleep but I do love resting, yeah, yeah and there's more, I'll get to them, I'll get to them 1850-715-996. 1850-715996. Here's one to put out there as well for you. Um, this is an interesting call we got to 1850 996 I followed this story over the weekend because it's a tragic story. It's a really, really tragic story. And the the footage, the news footage from there is is heartbreaking. Um, but this was the Virgin Media Television News. First thing that came on, says a caller, was a train crash in Pakistan. If there was a train crash in Ireland, would the Pakistani television have it on the news first thing? I'm very sorry for the Pakistani people. We've an Irish channel, so we get Irish news. They can put a story like that in the middle of the news. Isn't it the way they... uh, That was always done. This would just be brought in from some agency, yeah, caller. There's a there's a thing about the Tuesday after a bank holiday weekend where there's a tendency sometimes to rely on it. Well, something will turn up, and then something doesn't turn up, and you can go to your wires and your agency feeds, and you can get bunches of stuff on things like the Pakistani train crash, which is an awful story. It's a real, real, real tragedy. But if you're in a news desk and you need stuff, then you can go in, you can get tons. Loads of stuff from your subscription wires, and if it's leading the news, then they didn't probably have anything of their own to lead with. That's kind of what happens. Not all the time, but it does. Eighteen fifty-seven one five nine nine six. Well done to Amelda Marshall. Uh, we spoke to Amelda on the show a few weeks ago about Connor King. Do you remember the tragedy. Of uh, Connor King, and we won't go into the details of it again. But young Connor, young, fit and healthy lad, loved the ocean and travel and adventure. And he was only twenty-three, and he died tragically earlier this year. Well, Imelda did a half marathon on the June Bank Holiday weekend in his memory, and she was fundraising for West Cork Rapid Response. And when we spoke to her at the time; there was three or four grand in the pot, and she was hoping she originally hoped to raise about a thousand. Um, she uh, raised, I'm just clicking on it here now I don't actually, it's incredible 12,000 euro she has raised 12,000 euro, she did her half marathon at the weekend, so congratulations to Amelda who did that in memory of Connor King 185715996 what is a microplastic we've all heard that question we've all asked that question before what is a microplastic and how do we know that they really are doing harm the latest research is that they're actually turning up in our food and they'll now be inside of us next and of course we don't know what they're made of or the trouble they could cause within our bodies it's a very worrying area of research and some research from ucc has just revealed the scale of the crisis and it's now at the point where it is getting into our food dr alicia matthias cardenas i hope i'm pronouncing it correctly alicia good morning to you
13: hi good morning yeah
5: (laughs) tell me first of all in simple terms what is microplastic
13: so, in very simple terms, uh, microplastic is a very, very, very small uh, plastic particle. So, most of them, um, we probably can't even see them, and we scientists need a very powerful microscopes to find them. So, But you can also, you know, if you think of like a grain of sand, something that is very small, but you can still maybe even see, that could also be a microplastic.
5: Okay. And where do they come from?
13: Yeah, so... Most microplastics that are found in the environment, either in water or in soil, are, for example, microfibers coming from our clothes. So, if we check the labels of our clothes, they can be made of cotton, which is not a plastic, but they can also be made of polyester, uh, nylon, and that's a plastic. So, when we wash our clothes, um, they shed these microfibers into very, very small pieces. Which are microplastics, and then the other ones could be just fragments. So, for example, a plastic bottle or a bag, or you know, face mask now as well. Uh, after they've been in the environment for a long time, uh, they can be start to fragment, and then they fragment into small particles.
5: Now, the, your research now shows that they are getting into our food chain, and that we're actually consuming them. How's that we happening? Have,
13: so the research that we've done here in UCC is more focused in the freshwater environment. So this was the work of my PhD, which was funded by the Irish EPA. Um, so, But we found that plants can absorb microplastics. And this is because some plants have um, a waxy cuticle, which is, if you think of like these wax, they add as, um, like a sticky surface. Yeah. So we found that uh, plants that have those sticky surfaces, can absorb microplastics in them. So then if an animal uh, in the water eats them, then a fish will eat that animal, and then that's when when we think um, then it can end up in the food chain, including humans.
5: Okay, and are they dangerous to us, or do we even know?
13: (laughs) Well, that's a very good question. So for uh, the research of microplastics is very new. Uh, When I say that, I mean like the last 15 years, and in science, Science is slow, so that means that it's very new. Uh, only research on human health and microplastics, this has only started the last five years. So oh. what we know now, uh, microplastics have been found um, inside the human body, and like, for example, in women's placenta. But we don't know yet um, the extent of the health effects that it, this can have on us. But is there, it's currently being investigated, yes. definitely.
5: So, how do we prevent this from becoming a bigger problem than it already is?
13: Yeah, so that's also something that we have been thinking a lot about um, in the last few years working on this project. Um, Basically, the best solution, uh, so once plastics are out there, it's really hard to clean them, it's really It costs a lot, especially some plastics have just been um, accumulated in the deep sea and obviously you can't, like it would be very expensive to go to the deep sea and collect all of that. So the best thing that we can all do is just to try to stop using uh, single-use plastics. The single-use plastics are plastics that we use for a very short time. For example, a plastic bottle that we buy and then we throw it away straight away. Uh, Plastic bags. So then we are putting the focus on not only the consumer, which we already have a lot of things to think about, but also the industries to stop producing these single-use plastics, which are the main problem.
5: It's timely that we're speaking about this today, because today is World Oceans Day, and we've Mm -hmm. seen many, many documentaries uh, about the the amount of plastic building up in our oceans and, and looking at it from a problem. But look, there's only a certain amount of it that actually can be, recycled, whether more could be recycled or not we don't know, and it's, it's dangerous stuff when it builds up
13: Yeah, so that's something that we know, like plastics and microplastics are found anywhere on the planet, so basically anywhere that a scientist has been to monitor for this like even in the Antarctica they've found microplastics like I was saying before, in the deep sea, here in Ireland as well we've found plastic bags uh, fishing nets, which are also made of plastics, yeah. um, they are found anywhere on the oceans, but also in our freshwater rivers, lakes, even in the soil. So that's why we we are saying that the best thing is just to try to reduce our consumption of single-use plastics, yeah. and the producers to stop producing them. And are they so are they sense. pretty
5: much impossible? The microplastics are they pretty much impossible to remove once they get in there?
13: Oh, yeah. I mean, they are, they're just very hard to find in the first place. So for us to actually find microplastics, like I am taking months to filter my water and sediment samples and actually find them. And because they can be so small, they can just mix, for example, with like this sediment in the ocean. So once they are in the sediment, you can't tell from whether like it's a grain of sand or, or a microplastic. It just can't be, it can't be like,
5: clean Okay. Okay. Food for thought mm-hmm. then on on World Oceans Day. And then thank you for being with us, Dr. Alicia Matias Cardenius from UCC, researching microplastics. They're out there, and they are causing problems. They're getting into our food now. They're in the rivers. They're in the lakes. They're in the streams. They're in the oceans. We can't see them. We can't touch them. We can't pick up. You can't pick up a bucket of water and see it inside in it. But they're there. And we need to cop on as it were 1850 and look I'm the world's worst when it comes to using plastic we use, we use a lot of plastic in our house but I try to separate it out and I try to keep it send the recycling stuff forward for recycling and get rid of the other stuff as best as we can try not to buy stuff with the other plastic on it the single disposable usable plastic although Tesco I see in the UK have got this new campaign now. I'm not sure if it's started here, but uh, there's a hundred and something Tesco outlets across the UK now have set up these, these bring points where you can bring the stuff we're currently told is not recyclable. You can bring soft plastics, wrapping and stuff like that, and they'll take it from you and they will send it for cleaning and recycling. And I just noticed in Tesco in the last couple of weeks, they've got straws, drinking straws out of course for the summer barbecue season they're drinking straws which says on the pack that they're made from recycled plastic and that they're actually biodegradable which would be, because they're a lot better than them flipping paper straws if there's one, and I know i am got off on a little rant now, but if there's one thing I hate, it's those blasted paper straws can someone please come up with something that you can't you're you're that you're eating the straw as well as drinking your drink, can someone come up with something better than that maybe eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six lots of stuff coming in in response to don't use straws, yeah, there's that there's that um yeah <laughs> that that that's true, don't use straws on the stuff that makes the news and the stuff that leads the news, and you wonder, why is that leading the news? Uh, Some mornings you randomly get intense analysis of some English by-election. Then it disappears for a few days, then it's back, like it's a combination of the Dublin South by-election, but with a hung dial. Is that the same thing? Well, yeah, they will look to their international desk, they will look to where they... Have a correspondent. They will look to where they can get their hands on stuff and just put it in uh, to to fill space in a bulletin if 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 space needs to be filled. 1850-715-996 Can
0: we just talk?
3: the opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with Dairy Made premium spread one hundred percent
4: natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream.
3: 6 to 9
11: a.m. On
4: Cork's 96FM.
11: Prince Harry has admitted that he's bonded with Orlando Bloom because of the paparazzi. It's a very strange thing to bond over, like, and I I assume every single celebrity has the same thing in common. Do people take photographs of you when you're walking with an ice cream? (laughs) Yeah, they do. (laughs) Do they like you as well? They do, but yeah. Do you
12: not like it? I don't like it at all. Sometimes I do like it when I've got a book to sell. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) me too. Casey and Ross in the morning with No DC Cars Blackpool
4: for Skoda in the City, a long-standing tradition in court.
5: Network. Open 24-7 at FL There's a student project called the Washington-Ireland <laughs> programme. It's been running for a while now, but of course you can't go from Ireland to Washington at the moment, so this year it will run online and every year they fly out a class of young Irish people to Washington, D.C., but this year, like I said, it has to be online. It's a very prestigious leadership development programme and it's been going on for quite some time. The young woman from Cork will be on it this year and uh, she's excited to be on it and we're going to speak to her about it now. Uh, Anna Jakobek. Anna, good morning to you. Good morning. And delighted to have you... With us on the opinion and congratulations on getting onto the program and we'll come to that in a while but but you've come through it through the the mayfield community training now a lot of people would have heard about that center but maybe not quite sure what they actually do so what do they do
8: um
14: it's an excellent center where you don't have to have uh even a junior cert or a leaving cert to actually go there So it's an excellent opportunity for students who had maybe had trouble in school or something has happened and they had to unfortunately drop out. And it just gives students a kind of second chance to Mm -hmm. go back into education.
5: Was that kind of what happened to you? How did they how did they help you?
14: Uh, for me, uh, without getting too much into detail, I didn't have a uh, great experience in school. Okay. I had some issues and some problems, and I dropped out in my final year.
3: Right.
14: And for a really long time, I thought to myself that I wouldn't be able to go back to school anymore, which was something that I've always wanted to do. I always wanted to go to university. And then um, around August last year, I stumbled across Um, the Mayfield Trainee Centre and I called in and I asked for a bit more information and I was accepted almost on the spot and there was nothing I didn't have to provide any of my previous results Uh, no one judged me for the fact that I didn't have a uni cert and it was just extremely nice and welcoming
5: Yeah, that would give you a special interest of course in helping others uh, to come through tough times like you'd been through so like What issues would you like to highlight in that regard?
14: I would really, really love for anyone who has similar issues to what I had to kind of see what I'm doing at the minute and take it as inspiration that it's never too late um, to make your dreams a reality and that you shouldn't give up just because everyone around you tells you to give up because that's what I went through after everything happened with my education I was told that I would never be able to go to university again. I wouldn't be able to study. That I'd be working for a fast food restaurant for the rest of my life and I never believed that. I really wanted to go back in. And here I am at the minute. I I'm, for you. I'm uh, in the Mayfield Training Centre. I'll be going into College of Commerce from September. I'm on the Washington program and I'm doing a lot of things um, because I really want to help others and uh-huh. I really want to just be an inspiration for kids.
5: You know, yeah, it's a, it's so important to hang in there and that's what you've discovered, isn't it?
14: It is. I discovered through all of this time that everything takes time and that even if you have to take a different route to make your dreams a reality you will make them a reality if you just keep persevering and if you just keep hanging in there.
5: Good for you. So tell us about the Washington Ireland program then. What, what will you be doing?
14: I will be working with uh, a lot of different people on work projects. We have roundtables. We have some of the most amazing speakers um, talking to us. We had Cody Keenan yesterday, and that was so amazing to just hear his story hear his side of just the process of kind of selecting um a career and what i found really interesting from what he said is that he would have never believed anyone if they told him that he would be a speech writer and that it just any opportunity will take you in many different directions and just take it
5: yeah you you have plans i think to study business as well
14: I do, yes. I would love to go to university in London to study business, but at the minute I'm also debating between either studying business or studying law. Um, So it's just up for debate at the minute.
5: Yeah, why business in particular? Have you uh, any thoughts? I,
14: uh, I always loved business. I did business all throughout my secondary school education, And it was a subject that I loved so much. And this might sound um, maybe cheesy to some people, but I, as a child, always imagined myself as this really cool business lady running around an office and meeting people, and it just really (laughs) stuck with me.
5: (laughs) Don't see why you can't do that. And then what will you be doing in in the College of Commerce? You must be looking forward to getting started into that now as well,
14: yeah? I am. I'm so excited for it. I got accepted into the business course, And I was so excited because there's just so many things that I always wanted to do in there. And I can't wait to get started. Yeah,
5: you're really, coming back into education has been really, really big for you, and hasn't it?
14: It really has been. Um, I've gotten so many opportunities thanks to all of the people that have helped me in this journey. And I think that especially... All of the staff that work for the training board and the community training centre uh, mm. has been just so helpful and so amazing, and not only helping me to realise my own potential, but just kind of helping me to guide me in the
0: right direction. Yeah.
5: And you're going, you're going. The, the, the centre in Mayfield does that, and the College of Commerce is known for doing that as well. They have a great reputation for that. You know, they re- Yes. Really, really great place. Now, when the Washington program is over, would you like to come and have another chat with us? Because we'd love to find out how you get on.
14: I would love to.
5: All right. Okay. Well. Good luck with it. Good luck thank with you it, so Anna. Well. And thank you for being with us on the Opinion Line this morning. And uh, a busy week, somewhere ahead. But the what she says there about the Mayfield Community Training Centre. Thank you so much, Anna. And good luck. The Mayfield Community Training Centre. She didn't need any qualifications. She needed nothing. She walked in and said, I want to do some education here. I dropped out of regular education and I want to do some now. And they just did it. And look where she's going now. She's doing the Washington program. She's going to College of Commerce and she's all sorts of dreams about going to business. And her advice to other people, young people like her, is just hang in there. You will get there, which is the best bit of advice we've had on the program today. Uh, where are we going? On the straws, yeah. They're a reusable stainless steel and silicone foldable straws. Very handy. And they're washable and eco-friendly. There's loads of them around. I, I do like the new ones from Tesco's all right? the, They're made from recycled plastic and they're said to be biodegradable. A bit like those new carrier bags. I think Centra have them. They're kind of a white, kind of a waxy kind of a feel to them. They're biodegradable. They're also tough as nails and they last a long time, which is great. Because we don't like, we want to be kind of helping with the plastic problem. On property tax, if the government are going to be tackling the ordinary householder and even pensioners for tax, then how come they're so fixated on Apple not paying tax? Surely a tiny adjustment in Apple's allowances would cover the money. They should not be taxing people on their homes knowing that some of the people hit by it would be on quite a limited income. It's not an asset, it's a home. John says when they first spoke of a property tax, it was supposed to be a site tax. It was supposed to go after the big property developers and hoarders. Then it became a home tax. Now it's become a shed tax. They'd want to raise the taxes, no hoarded sites, unhoarded sites, and solve a few problems and on big farms that are angry businesses. Yeah, John, you may well have coined a new phrase there shed tax. Do we now have a shed tax in this country? If you did up your little bit of garden that was manky enough at the start of lockdown, but of course, lockdown and not being able to go anywhere. Sure, you went out and you cut the grass and you laid a bit of a patio and you built maybe built a bit of a deck and put in an old shed and or tidied up the shed that you have and you just made the best of what's out the back. Are you now going to be taxed on making the best of what's out the back? Will it be our shed tax? 1850 uh, On those riots in Dublin at the week, they were dreadful. They were dreadful, those riots in Dublin the weekend. Seeing the pictures in the paper, says Tom, I'm astonished to see the guards in the public order unit have no helmets. Mm-hmm. They could have been killed with bricks, paving stones and dealing with people on drinking drugs. It's just luck we're not dealing with the tragedy. This soft caps idea. Ah, oh, we have got breaking story. A lot of news sites, various... UK news sites, various, the Irish Times news site seems to be down. Oh God, have we another hack? There's a, news sites in the UK and the Irish Times news site would appear to be down. Anyone noticing that? 1850-715-996. One more while I'm here because if I don't do them, I'll forget them. On your early morning and what you do with your early mornings. If you don't have to work, do you get up anyway? Um, I definitely try anyway, but do you do your. Uh, PJ says, Viv in Madrid. when is dias, uh, Viv. Uh, re-sleeping and waking. In my teens and early 20s, I was definitely a night owl. But as time has passed and my priorities have changed, I'm now an early riser. I wonder if geographical location and season influences. If people are early or late risers. Right now it's getting to a high of 32 degrees in Madrid. Ah, we're expecting 35 on Thursday. You're making me jealous. Blue skies and sunshine. The early dawn is about the only comfortable time to do anything involving physical effort. Hence, (laughs) apologies to my neighbours about vacuum cleaners, pots and pans and buckets. And now a convert to early rising. I'd happily get up at 5 when my normal time is 6. Weekends I might sleep in until after 7. I feel worse if I oversleep. The point you make there in the middle of it, though, Viv, I think it's very, very key. Uh, this getting up in the morning at 10 to a quarter to six, which, as I said, I've been doing now for the bones of 30 years, and tis grand. It's so much easier at this time of the year. It's so much easier in the summertime because it's bright. 1850
3: <laughs> Can we just talk? The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM.
5: With Dairy Made Premium
4: Spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork Cream.
3: Simon Murdoch and the best music mix.
4: Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Whether you're at work or if the kitchen table is your office at the moment or if you're in the car dropping off or picking up the kids from school, I've got the biggest tunes on your radio to get you through the afternoon from midday on Cork's 96FM.
5: Kevin Doyle, who's group head of news at The Independent... Uh, says that the BBC, CNN this is on Twitter. BBC, CNN, New York Times, Financial Times, Irish Times, and many more websites are down. Uh, the Examiner, are the Independent, rather, running a story on its website, which is still okay. That many of the world's leading global news organisation websites are down now due to a service, a service outage. Also, according to the Examiner, a number of leading media websites giving error messages. The Guardian, Financial Times, Independent, New York Times. The UK government website gov.co.uk was or gov.uk was also not working with an error message. The Guardian has tweeted that their website and app currently affected by a wider internet outage. Other sites affected Reddit, Pinterest, Twitch, the Evening Standard and the French newspaper Le Monde. And uh, there's also we've also here having trouble in the last few minutes with the Irish Times. At one stage just a few minutes ago, it was impossible to get any article out of the Irish Times. I see Pinterest affected there. I say the less the less I say about Pinterest the better. People have lost sleep <laughs> over their partners being on Pinterest. The things you'll find. Oh we could do that out the back. Yeah. Yeah, eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. 715 This was a project we covered last year um, when it was happening. And I think Fiona went down and met the family and saw what they were doing with the bus. And last night, it featured on Dermot Bannon's new show uh, on RT1, Dermot Bannon's Super Small Spaces, which is a, a, a show he has about lockdown projects. And Thomas, Anna and Rachel and Niall McCarthy lost their beloved dad Patrick in May of last year and now the project that they've completed, they say would make him proud. It certainly is a marvellous looking job of work. Thomas McCarthy, good morning to you. Hi, good morning, how are you getting on? Good, good. We we were talking with yourself and, and your family about this. It, it came about from the tragedy of your dad's death, but it's actually turned into a business now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I suppose we didn't really you know, we didn't really, when we got it, we didn't think that it was going to be um, a, such a, a massive project as it was. You know, we just kind of, very impulsive bought it. But it turns, you know, it's gotten so much publicity, it's doing amazing. Like, it's nearly fully booked. It is fully booked for the summer on Airbnb. Like, oh. the, I think the Instagram page is on like 10,000 followers and stuff. So it's
5: just really after taking off. So we're we're actually delighted. It's an incredible job of work that you've done. Now... How did, how did the idea to do it come about? I mean, obviously it followed your dad's death, but how, where, where did the idea come from?
1: Um, so I have a friend in, in Dingle, her name is Roisin and her, and her mother have a bus it's a 50 seater that they've converted themselves so I was down there for my birthday last August and I saw it and I was like, I want one <laughs>
5: <laughs> And you bought a clapped out Dublin bus basically. Yeah. How much did it cost you? Uh, two and a half grand Right, for a double-decker bus.
1: Yeah, and it's dri- it was driving perfectly fine and everything. Like, it's in really good condition. Right. So we were very lucky with it.
5: Crikey, two and a half grand for a 78-seater bus. Yeah. With nearly, bagging, isn't it? with over half a million kilometres on the clock. Did, yeah. My goodness me. So, so you, so you get it and you it down to Balnadie and you yeah. park it there.
1: Yeah, we parked it in the yard and then we kind of were like, look, now that we have it, we have to do something with it. The first job was to, to gut it and take everything out. But I, w- I was also thinking, if, you know, if maybe if we recorded our progress on TikTok, um, it would, like, you know, attract a following, you know, but oh, geez, I didn't think it would get as big as this. But, um, yeah, the first job was gutting it and taking everything out. And then the hard part was putting stuff back in, you know.
5: Yeah, and, decide, and deciding what goes in and what's not. When did Herbert exactly, Bannon yeah. get involved? Uh, so he rang us in, for I think it was no
1: no, December. So we were only doing it a few weeks. And one of their producers rang us and said they found us on TikTok. And he was doing a new uh, small TV show about small spaces. And if we'd be
5: interested, and we were like, oh my God, yeah, that'd be unreal. Right. Because Dermot, of course, <coughs> Dermot has his own way of doing things. And we all know from years of watching Room to Improve on other programmes that Dermot wants his own way. And yeah. you wanted your own way. And that led to some fun and games.
1: Yeah, it did. Yeah. Like he, he, want, he wanted a few things. And true, we didn't really listen to him at all. But like we did listen to, it. he had some really, really good points, which made sense. But um, I think a lot of the fun was like, you know, he wanted this and we were like, nah, it's too late. Like he wanted to, uh, outside decking, you know, we had the tiles ordered and they're on the way from Spain, like as if we were going to change our minds, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, come (laughs) on.
5: You had had a row over the toilet as well, didn't you? Yeah, to be fair, yeah. Well,
1: he he wanted, like I wanted to put it in the driver's seat because I thought it'd be a novelty, you know, sitting on the toilet while you're driving the bus and trying to utilize space inside there as well. And he had a good point saying that it would be the first thing that you see and it would be awful. So I was like, "Sure, that's actually fair.
5: Very so what, did, what did you put in instead then?
1: Uh, we just left the driver's seat as like a reading room so we have like plants and it's, in the back of the wall is tiled and the floor is tiled ah. and the there's books and stuff so it's really nice because the evening sun kind of lands in there. Yeah.
5: Now, the wall oh, that yeah. he told you not to take down Yeah. You took down?
1: Yeah, of course. Like, we, we had that plan for weeks and then he comes along and he, char- he was trying to charm everyone and like, he charmed Anna Aiden and Rachel. But I was like no way, that wall's still coming down. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but, but why was it that... Why was it that you wanted to take it down and he didn't? Because he was saying that if you kept it up, you know, you can use
1: it as, you know, it's shelter for parking cars or, you know, it kind of divides the yard so you have some privacy. But I wanted to open up the yard and kind of, you know, have an open plan, make it all colourful and stuff. So, like, after... After he told me to ring John, who was the fellow in the digger coming down, like I ran, I ran behind wall, like away from the cameras, and I rang him again. I was like, "Will you please come back down and knock it?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all the producers were like, "What? Why did you do that?" "Because like, it's going." Yeah,
5: well, it's great, it's great, crack. It's really funny to watch, and it's a real labor, labor of love for you. Um, unreal. you know? I mean, the tragedy of Dad's death was one thing, and then to develop it into this, like what was was what do you think dad would think
1: of it um, oh geez i'd say he'd be shocked like but he'd also be i'd say impressed by our like i suppose our entrepreneurship and the fact that we all pulled together and pulled it off but like we had so much help from like all our friends friends and families and, and you know so it would have been impossible all of them yeah. but um, i think he'd be delighted honestly it would, yeah all right thank yeah. you very much Brilliant. and
5: congratulations thomas mccarthy uh, yeah, it's great actually, it's very funny to watch and they, they really stood up to, to Dermot and Dermot's their roll of the eyes like made for great television. 960, remember we had great fun last summer when we could do nothing we had nothing to go to, no festivals no music, no gigs, no nothing we were not much better than, than than that this year, but we're dreaming of better times to come, but what we have brought back is something that was a huge hit on our app or online and that is the Back Garden Festival this is Cork's 96 film's exclusive online station and it It's back and it's up and running. And the music is just fabulous. The biggest songs, biggest hits from your favourite festival stars. And it's with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer. It's on the app now or go to 96fm.ie. This is from the Irish Times. If you want to fix the problem with our website, you can click on this, Don't You Dare. Don't do that that'll be all sorts of that kind of carry on going around now so let's, let's be very careful all those sites affected at the moment uh, 1850 so a big charity effort in Carrigaline on Friday uh, the Cogan family of course uh, synonymous with uh, Carrigaline. Siobhan good morning to you
2: and how are you PJ?
5: good what are you doing?
2: Um, well, we're cutting her hair on Friday, and I'll just get my niece, Anya May to tell you why we're all chopping off her hair.
5: That'd be great. Hi, Anya May. Hi. So what are you doing on Friday?
2: Uh, cutting my hair for charity.
5: Okay, and what's the charity about?
14: Um, it's like um, doctors.
5: Okay, okay, and what do they, what do they do?
14: Uh, they make children um, who are sick and hospital yeah. add- <laughs>
9: feel
5: they make wigs for them, do they?
9: Yeah.
5: Yeah, and, and it, so you'll be cutting off your real hair so that you can give it to the clown doctor people and that they make wigs for other kids who've lost their hair.
2: So, Anya May, will you tell them what inspired you to cut your hair? Well, when I when I was five years old
14: in Disneyland, I saw a little girl with no hair and I asked my mom why didn't she have any hair and she said because she might have been very, very um, sick. Okay. Um, and then I thought maybe I could use my hair to make a Okay. for
2: someone
5: who very, very Okay. So-
2: so then on, you may have roped the rest of us in. she roped Good. her two cousins and me her auntie in and um, so we obviously her hair has grown very long over the lockdown and yeah. um, we didn't manage to get in before christmas and um, so um we said we'd jump on board and cut right. our hair as well
5: i'd I'd um, say it'd be very hard to resist her now when she starts.
2: I know she's uh, well able, and her mother is the the driving force behind it all um she's um the background um so our cousin Callum um, got cancer three years ago and lost his hair and was very, very sick. And right. um, so Arnie Mae and Orland us, we've been growing her hair since. And um, we um, Cal- we asked Callum's mom, Alice, like who, because we said we wanted to do it for a charity and we were asking her who would she think would um, be a worthy cause. Yeah. And she recommended um, the Ethos Clown Doctors. Right. So she was saying like, you know, the... Family get this devastating news shipped up to Crumlin Hospital in, in an ambulance. The whole world had turned topsy-turvy on a roller coaster. And they said they lost their little boy for quite some time. And then all of a sudden, these like clown doctors burst into the room like a ray of sunshine. And they were able to see their son smile again. And um, it was just amazing for them in such a, like a very difficult time. To like, you know, it kind of lightened and like spread joy, and they saw their child laughing, and they just thought it was the most amazing thing in yeah. what was such a terrible time. So, um, not many people know about EFA's clown doctors because, I suppose, you don't hear about them unless you're unfortunate enough oh, to, yes. to need them.
5: Yes, so we, we never hear about these things until we yeah. un- until we need them until they're on our own doorstep. Yeah. Is is Orla there with you?
2: Orla's here as
4: well. Yeah.
5: Uh, can I talk to her for a second? Hi. Hello, Warla. How are you? I'm good. Good. When was the last time you had a haircut?
14: Uh, I don't know about.
5: L- long time ago.
14: Two years ago, I think. Oh, crazy.
5: So you've loads of you've loads of hair to make loads of wigs. Yeah. Brilliant. You're looking forward to it. I am. Yeah, all excited about it to be to be to be a great fun day. And tell me, um, back on to Siobhan, when is Hello. it happening? Siobhan.
2: Um, so it's actually happening in Chocolate Hair um, and Beauty in they There in the shopping centre, and um, they've kindly offered to cut our hair for us. And that's happening. Um, we have to be there about quarter to five on Friday, and that's in Cargilline. Okay. All yeah, right. and actually, SuperValu have offered to put some buckets on the tills on Thursday, Friday for us as well in Carigline. So if anybody can not get onto our GoFundMe and mm. would like to make a cash donation, they will be there Thursday, Friday. Um,
5: no, but no, no better people than the people in SuperValu Carrigaline to get yeah, behind yeah. something like that. They're absolutely yeah. great. We've shared all of the details of the GoFundMe on oh, our right. Twitter Thanks feed as well. It.
14: Yeah, and so
5: uh, Neve is doing there. it as well, isn't she?
2: Oh yeah, Neve's away at the moment. Um, she's down in Skipperine. Um, So she'll be back Friday. Um, So the hair is actually, we're sending it off to Little Princess Trust. Um, So we're kind of hitting two charities in one go. So we're sending the hair to Little Princess Trust to be made into real hair wigs for young children and um, young teenagers and stuff. And then we're trying to raise money and awareness for Aoife's Clown Doctors
5: okay alright well good luck with it and it's a fabulous cause and a, a great effort being made by all on Friday we are sharing the details on Twitter there's a GoFundMe and they're doing that, and no better people than the people in thank you to Siobhan and Anya May and Neve. and if I leave anybody out they'll kill me but you know yourself it's all going <laughs> to be great on Friday thank you lads um, Siobhan, Anya May and Neve and Orla that's it that's the list the people in Carrigline Supervalue are brilliant for getting behind local charity efforts and they're putting out buckets. So if you want to help them after hearing it here, then you can do that. And of course, we've shared the GoFundMe also, 1850 715 Just on some of the stuff we've, we've held over during the morning because we've had very busy on pretty much all of our platforms this morning on the, the drinking. Um, We got this video sent in to us of street drinking. Um, Not drinking stuff you'd bought from a pub. Not sitting down properly to drink stuff you bought from a pub. But just drinking in the street with cans that you brought yourself. And that is illegal. Since 1998, in fact. Uh, And updated in 2001. It is illegal to do that. And you can face an on-the-spot fine of 63 euro which can go up to €500 in court, and any kind of a public place like a park, a green, an amenity area, so pretty much anywhere, streets, footpaths, cul-de-sacs, you name it, you can't actually drink your own drink in the street. If you're in a seat supplied by a pub and you're drinking something that you bought in the pub, then that's okay. But other than that, you can't. And over the weekend, people were wondering, why is it that Gardi were taking cans off people and pouring them down the drain well because first of all you can, they, they can confiscate they have the power to confiscate and destroy alcohol that a person is carrying if they believe you're going to use it like that, so that's why that was done, why did they empty the cans because some people in Dublin were using them as weapons but that's another side to the story that's it, the programme edited by Terry Brennan produced and researched today by Fergal Barry, we'll see you tomorrow just after 9
4: Can we just talk
3: Opinion line on Cork's 96 FM
5: with
4: Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream.